Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Ah, yes, welcome in to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Manny Hill is producing. Courtney. People are still mad online. You did something to the greater Twin Cities audience yesterday that cares about the Vikings, cares about being plugged in ahead of free agency, and you really <laughs> lit a fire under some people about this Antonio Brown potential scenario one, two, three, four, five that you laid out about him coming to the Vikings. And, you know, I just like sitting back and watching the world burn most days. That's what I do during the off season, And that's what I did. I can't help myself when I think about a football scenario one day, last Friday. Huh. Imagine the Vikings, if they traded for Antonio Brown, that'd be a pretty unstoppable offense. And I, here's me thinking, well, let's see, what do we got here? A couple weeks till the combine. We got a uh, long time till the draft. Free agency doesn't open till the middle of March. So, well, let's let's have a conversation about this since Antonio Brown is out there and you can trade for him. And that one time the Patriots traded a fourth-round pick for Randy Moss and then Tom Brady threw 50 touchdowns. So maybe this is a good idea for the Vikings. I did not expect when I brought up the idea of the Vikings trading for Antonio Brown for people to be standing outside of my house with pitchforks and torches threatening to take me down because I suggested they trade for a really good wide receiver. I will not issue an apology for that. Pitchforks, really? And torches. Is throwing a Molotov cocktail through your window? I am amazed at the number wow. of ridiculous opinions on this Antonio <laughs> Brown thing. It is very simple. If you have three unstoppable wide receivers, you're probably going to be good at football. This is not a hot take. It's not, but I think that to play devil's advocate here, to maybe underst- uh, try to understand where some of this fan base is coming from and where some of the vitriol that's being spewed your way, people don't like Antonio Brown right now. 
whether you're a Steelers fan or a lot of the rest of the league sees him as a diva, sees him as really, frankly, a pain in the ass to mm-hmm. deal with throughout this entire situation. And they don't even want to go down the semantics of what trading him would do, what it would do to the Pittsburgh Steelers cap for 2019, 2020, and 2021, and really the benefit of that. People look at this guy and say, okay, he's not been able to shut his mouth for the last few years. He's been Facebook living or Instagram living <laughs> in the locker room. The nonsense he said about Mike Tomlin was uncalled for on social media. I mean, yes, we know about him and Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't get along with a lot of people. He's tough to get along with. Okay, that's been out there. But the way that Antonio Brown has constantly made things about himself is what I think grinds a lot of people's gears and thinking, okay, you bring him in, you're automatically dealing with a clubhouse cancer. That's where I think there's some pause there. But if you're strictly looking at it as one of the best receivers to create separation in this era of football and one of the best receivers, period, even as he's getting past 30 now, I don't think that that's a bad argument at all. I'm also looking at just the history of the game and how many teams have had amazing offenses with three weapons. If we count tight ends, then there are all sorts of teams, including the New England Patriots this year, when they traded for Josh Gordon, who everyone would have said, stay away, stay away from Josh Gordon. And it didn't work out perfectly for them. He ends up off the team by the end of the year. After grabbing 50 catches and helping them win games, the Patriots are the team that does this all the time. Sorry for looking at the Patriots and thinking they might have a good idea. I mean, I was reading the background story on Randy Moss being traded to the Patriots. Bill Belichick knew someone that worked for the Raiders, and he went to that guy and asked him, can Randy Moss still run? Like, is he still that fast as he used to be with Minnesota? And his old pal told him, yes, he can still run. And Belichick made the trade, and they brought him in. And think about the popularity rating of Randy Moss after playing in Oakland for those years. Uh, would it be about the same as Antonio Brown right now? Yeah, probably. Probably. Probably a little less, though. I, I think Antonio Brown has really poked this thing for a long time and let it fester. And he's gotten in trouble with the law and he's gotten in trouble with his own teammates and been kind of just a diva. Randy Moss was a diva in a lot of regards, but I just think that the sample size of his time in Oakland versus nine years with the Steelers. I don't know if I can compare him in that sense. Well, he was a diva. I mean, Randy Moss was a diva in Minnesota. Yes, absolutely. And got in trouble with the law. And got in trouble with the law. But <laughs> These are not uncommon things for wide receivers in the National Football League. But why? I mean, but that, I think, speaks to a different um Can you imagine if Randy there. Moss had Instagram Live in 1999 or 2002? Oh, my gosh. I wish that it had happened. Yeah. There would be so many amazing videos of Randy Moss pulling up his cell phone and deciding to just let loose on whatever situation he wanted to let loose on. Yet, everything seemed to turn out okay when they had three elite wide receivers and went 15-1. and Well, it's been interesting before on this show. We've talked about the theory that, hey, maybe you don't go out and get an offensive lineman in free agency unless you're going to get Roger Saffold. And, and overpay for that. That's honestly, in my opinion, that's the only one you overpay for or mm-hmm. you pay a lot for because he is a franchise player. But if you're going to go out and, you know, get a free, uh, somebody else in free agency, I mean, who is there really that sexy of a group that like really intrigues you of, wow, like, don't even talk about Antonio Brown. We need to be going after this guy. We need to be going after this guard. No, there's not. So we talked about 
What would happen if you give Kirk more weapons, if you surround him with more playmakers? And people were fine with that argument. People were fine with thinking, okay, get a number three receiver. Maybe you're getting somebody that, um, you know, Pierre Garçon, because Sean Jackson, if we're looking at former teammates, if we're trying to make this whole thing 2016 again, Deshaun's going to go get paid. Leaving Tampa, he's going to go get paid. Pierre Garçon's in a situation right now where he could be a middle of the pack, you know, in, in, t- mm-hmm. in terms of maybe, you know, four, four mil a year. Uh, receiver two-year contract perfect people are okay with that I don't think people are okay with Antonio Brown because of the optics around the situation and the fact that it's going to be costly regardless I mean if you if you can since the 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 Instagram not the Instagram the Twitter post that we saw today that he had a meeting with Art Rooney and Mm -hmm. that they both were like okay mutual parting of ways that's what we agree with you trade him to a contender and the haul that they would get back, I think, is is huge. And it's it's largely beneficial for the Steelers, but also for a team like the Vikings when you have, I don't know, say a guy like Xavier Rhodes. Maybe that's where you start with this. But I just think that speaking for the speaking from at least the perspective of what I think most fans would see with this, that come on, we keep neglecting the offensive line. When is enough enough? It's gonna keep getting worse and worse if you keep going to these other ancillary pieces, very important ones that they're not ready to give up on that argument yet because it was, all right, by golly, at the end of the season, they're 8-7-1, offensive line talk for the next four months. So I would agree with the offensive line being the biggest need. And if it costs a first-round pick and a bunch of pieces to trade for him, then I would say, okay, that's probably too much. But when we had Andrew Filipponi on Score North Live yesterday from Pittsburgh, he said they'd be lucky to get a second-round pick right now. And Moss was traded for a fourth-round pick. It looks like because of the cost that whoever gets him is not going to have to pay out of the nose. And that means that the Vikings can still draft an offensive lineman with the 18th overall pick and continue to rebuild this offensive line around younger players. And I would also say, too, that uh, if you've ever seen Mad Max, you ever seen that movie, Mad Mm -hmm. Max? So there's a time in the movie where he's driving toward a certain place and he realizes that that's where they want him to drive. But that's he's he's going into a trap. That's offensive line free agency. It's like moth <laughs> to flame. We need a guard. Alex Boone sounds like a good. He gets cut two years later. Mike Remmers, what a pretty decent right tackle. He's playing right guard and is no good at it a year later. And now they're talking about moving Riley Reef inside. That one makes me like, want to electrocute myself. <laughs> but it's just like this happens over and over and over again. Unless it's Alex Mack or Andrew Whitworth or Kevin Zeitler, guys who are elite players in their prime on free agency, which they don't have this year. It's not worth going crazy for. So if you could still draft a first round lineman and bring in Antonio Brown, like you've you've still fixed that problem. That's where I think the misconception is like, well, you can't fix the line if you trade for him, but you can either way. Now, this isn't my issue. I enjoy this conversation. I think it's great. Like, I, I think it kind of gets to the crux of get the most out of Kirk Cousins. How do you do it? Like, this is all fun to talk about, and it's the number one topic for the offseason. What I don't understand is the don't talk about it arguments. I I mean, if you were in 2007 and said, you know what I think the Vikings should get? I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not real happy with the quarterback situation. Favre. I think the Vikings should get Favre. 
people would be like, uh, yeah, okay, buddy. And Steve Young, too, right? Like, <laughs> And then they did. I mean, this franchise has a history of doing that. And something I want to talk about with you, Courtney, is the misconception that Mike Zimmer wouldn't want someone like Antonio Brown. In his past, Mike Zimmer became great friends with Deion Sanders, one of the biggest, quote, diva players in the history of professional sports. He coached Pac-Man Jones, a guy who was like the face of NFL arrests and trouble when he was in Cincinnati. Vontez Burfecht, who I'm surprised is still in the league. When he came to Minnesota, he coached Adrian Peterson, who got suspended for a year, and then they went to the playoffs with him as their starting running back in 2015. Everson Griffin was tased and arrested several times before Zimmer got here, and he helped Everson Griffin become one of the best players in the NFL. Like The, the idea that he would be anti-talent ever is, to me, totally wrong. Well, where that comes from, though, is that it's the blue-collar, no-nonsense defensive approach, that it's smash-mouth football that wins you football games, not sexy, high-powered, you know, flashy lights, spotlight receivers. You've heard him take some like subtle jabs at Diggs in press conferences, and that's fine. Stephon Diggs is not a blue-collar player. So it's, take a look at Stephon Diggs' hands. Those hands are not going to show you blue-collar. They're going to show you multi-million-dollar receiver hands. The same type of thing will be said about Antonio Brown, and that's the reason why people think Zimmer's not going to want to deal with that. They don't want to bring somebody in that could be a potential clubhouse cancer. Well... You know, what did we hear about Kirk Cousins in Washington that he lost the locker room? Yet they still brought him in, and I think it's worked out, you know, at least in the sense that, you know, there was no huge blow up last year. It worked. That is a great point about Kirk Cousins, by the way. You're talking about a guy who forced his way out of Washington by not signing their mm-hmm. contract, who did not always get along with people who beefed with management to the point that the president of the team called him Kurt. Like, Why would we not, let's just think, why would we say these things about a wide receiver, Antonio Brown, but not a quarterback, Kirk Cousins, where there's some of the same crossing of lines? Hmm, I can't figure that out. Well, besides what you're actually getting at, I think it's a diva position. People think of that in cornerbacks, and they think of trash talkers that sometimes get in their own way and can't get their foot out of their mouth. And they think of wide receivers in that same light of divas, Chris Carter, Randy Moss. I mean, his team has had a ton of them. And I think that there is some of that fear that you people like Diggs and Thielen for what they are. You, If you can imagine, if you can even take your brain to that place of what this would do to their game, to elevate their game. How many times last season did Kirk not have an answer for why you couldn't throw Diggs and Thielen open towards the end of the season? Why you couldn't get Thielen the ball when Thielen was, you know... The product of, you know, bracket coverage just about on every single play there down the stretch of the season. Well, you have another option, a very good one and an elite one uh, for that matter, who, A, already has chemistry with a lot of the guys on this team. I mean, he works out with Xavier Rhodes in the offseason. I believe Stephon Diggs has had some work with him, too, in Miami. This isn't like you're bringing some foreign object into your locker room. I don't think chemistry, we should even be talking about that. I really That's don't. That's a great point about him and Rhodes. Those guys are super close. Yeah. And Rhodes is still, even though he didn't have the greatest year of his career, is still, I think, a key player. That we've talked about the possibility of trading him, and it's it's a, a, it's I would a realistic. Like to, I would thing. like to talk about where that could potentially fit in in here. Yeah. I don't know if it's possibility. I think there's other possibilities, but if you could throw him somehow in here, 
not saying, you know, player for player swap. Obviously, there'd be picks in there, too, but that would be really intriguing. I I think that it makes sense in terms of creating cap space. It doesn't make sense in terms of the personality because I feel like you have to have Xavier here because they are so close. Oh, sure. That that would make a, a significant difference for how he could On possibly paper, fit it in. makes sense. But yes. other than that, I, I hear you. I hear you. And also, I, I think that even though Xavier did not have the best year and his cap hit is too high, that Mike Zimmer would also fight tooth and nail to make sure Agreed. he keeps his shutdown corner and that he probably believes that Xavier Rhodes is still uh, that shutdown corner. And he can be if he's not battling the injuries like he was last year. I guess what I circle back to is just that Mike Zimmer has handled throughout his NFL career many different types of situations, many different types of personalities. You think about even the quarterback personalities alone since he got here. Yeah, he's had like, what, five of them? I mean, you have Teddy Bridgewater, who he adored, his leadership qualities. You had Sam Bradford, who he had to just shake to try and get any personality out of. He talked about that even last year of trying to get Sam Bradford to show some leadership and show some personality. And then Kirk Cousins, who has been a completely different animal. And it it is very funny to me that there were these things that you can look up that happened with Kirk Cousins, including one time after a win, he yelled, how you like me now at their general manager. And yet never talked about really as a diva. And how about with Adam Thielen? And Kirk Cousins arguing with each other. How about Thielen throws his helmet? How about Adam Thielen does a lot of things that wide receivers do, but people don't call him a diva. Now, I don't think that he is. I'm just saying I feel that, like he's gotten the diva thing a lot more this year, maybe than you're giving him has, credit for. He had, because he did, of, he did this year. Because of that, it's been there, been there all bleeping night. That was one. The helmet throw, the going after Belichick. But still, it's like, not it's not his it's not his mo. It's not what people think of with Adam Thielen. I think these are common receiver things. The the competitive positions are all the positions, but receiver is one of those that takes it to a different level. And I feel like you have to have a cockiness to you, an arrogance to you. If to you're going to get position. around someone trying to jam you with the line of scrimmage, hell yeah, you do. You need to be able to trash talk. You need to be able to shoot it right back at them and be physical with it, too. Physical with your words, physical with your actions. And that, to me, is is why cornerbacks and receivers constantly get this trash talking, diva talk, all that stuff thrown around with them because it's required to play the position at a high level. And throughout the history of the game, there have been so many. Now, that doesn't excuse what he's doing. It just means that in terms of whether they could handle it or not, I don't have a great way to predict that for you because you could make an argument either way. You could say, well, boy, his ego and Cousins' ego together with one football, that could be tough. Or you could say, you know what? This guy's dealt with Big Ben for the last few years, who seems like the biggest nightmare quarterback to ever be in the league. And he might be thrilled to have Kirk Cousins. It's hard to say how that would work. Is the The thing that I end up getting frustrated with is why, why are we talking about it? Why are we talking about it? Because it makes sense to do. Whether you look at any direction here, whether it's just the history of teams that have had three wide receivers like this, or whether it's this current situation with the Vikings and how it might fit, or as it pertains to Kirk Cousins. That's what it's all about for me. What does he need to succeed? He needs 
options. He needs weapons. And that team in 2016 in Washington was stacked with five different really good players that he could throw to at any time. This team has two dangerous weapons and one guy who catches every six-yard pass his way. And that's it. And Delvin Cook, who they didn't throw to enough. Yeah, They need more. I think people can't get past the the salary cap argument with it. That's lazy. That's lazy because of what it does to both sides. You get a lot of, if you're the Steelers, you get a lot of cap flexibility in 2020 and 2021. If you're the Vikings, you have to move around a lot of pieces to probably make something like this work. If you watched Antonio Brown's video last week, the thing that rubbed me a little wrong on this was that, you know, it's a video of like, thanks Steeler Nation. I mean, he demanded the trade through the video and it was a little Uzi Vert song. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, uh, everyone is, I think. Okay. I, I didn't know if honestly you were. I know Manny's shaking his head back there. Manny knows. And it was a song about, I think it's called Do What I Want. And it was just his line repeated Now I do what I want. Now I do what I want. <laughs> now I do what I want. Sweetheart, you've I, been doing I'm, what you want this entire time. I'm surprised you, I haven't listened to this. And I think that you put this into a situation where if he wants to, con- it is, he's not controlling free agency here. This isn't free agency. He's going to be traded. He's, they still have his rights. And that, to me, doesn't make any sense as to why his mindset is that way. So I think that that does rub people wrong, and I think it could pose problems as teams are trying to figure this out. People hate when players control their own destinies. They just hate it, and it makes me Well, because he does it right now. He does it right now. Well... He demanded a trade. He's probably going to get it. But realistically, he does not control it. He's not a free agent. uh, We're going to talk to Blake Barrett, who is... Adam Thielen's agent next. So we can ask him about players controlling their own futures. Uh, That's what happens when we come back. We'll talk about Adam Thielen, his future, his past, what Blake can tell us about what has made Adam Thielen a special wide receiver. Did you know he went to Mankato? We'll talk to uh, Blake Barrett's when we come up next. It's Phil Mackey here from the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. We've made it easier than ever to find our team-centric Minnesota sports podcast. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, just search Score North, that's S-K-O-R, and you'll find Score North Vikings, for instance, which includes Purple Daily, Purple Podcast, and Vikings Ventline. Score North Wolves includes Raised by Wolves, Myron Medcalf on Hoops, and more. Score North Twins includes Touch Em All, Royce on Baseball, and more, and so on. Just search Score North, S-K-O-R, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Welcome to the all-new Score North, Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere, scorenorth.com. All right, we are back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, along with Courtney Cronin, and we welcome into the show Blake Barrett's best known, does this work for you, Blake, best known for representing Adam Thielen? Do you want somebody else? We don't have to use Adam. Sure, whatever guys, whatever works for you. We can I don't use want to uh, assault any other clients. We can use Jonathan <laughs> Allen for this, or whoever you want to use. Uh, but since people best know uh, Adam Thielen, I I do want to tell you, Blake, that you cannot ruin my fun times online trying to get the Vikings to trade for Antonio Brown. I won't let you. Sorry, I didn't know if you were serious or you're just trolling everyone or you're trying to start controversy. I, I couldn't read through the tweet, so I apologize. I'm going to let you go to work on it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep trying. I'm like, I'm like three quarters serious, I think, uh, Blake, okay. Because, okay. because if they still throw 600 passes, everybody's clients can get uh, receptions. All right. Um, 
Well, let me let me ask you about this, uh, Blake, to start us off. Just you have a unique knowledge of Adam Thielen, and everyone is well aware that uh, he went to a certain small college and he uh, got a tryout and worked his way up. But you dealing with him so closely over these years, where he's risen to be one of the truly elite wide receivers in the NFL, uh, what can you tell us about Adam that Vikings fans wouldn't know about his success story? <clears throat> I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't know if there's anything that everyone doesn't know. It seems like the same story has been spoken about and rehearsed uh, so many different times now. And Adam really is who everyone sees he is. He's just a great guy. He's an incredible hard worker. He's as humble as they come. Um, He's a family guy. He's just a really, really good human being. That's, That's the only way to... It's the only thing to say, and what you see is what you get. Maybe sometimes people don't see, maybe they saw late in the year with some of the stuff, but I don't, people may not see how ultra, ultra, ultra competitive he is. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you see it on Sundays, but whether he's playing ping pong or we're on the golf course or we're shooting baskets or anything that he's doing, whether it's a rep in practice, he's he's one of the most competitive guys I've ever met. And so sometimes you know, his personality off the field and in interviews and what he's doing from a philanthropic standpoint, you may not, um, you know, people have asked me before, is Adam quiet? Is he shy? And I'm like, no, it's actually the polar opposite, but I could see why people may think that. But um, outside of that, he really is what you see. He's just a really genuine, really good person. And you root for, you root for guys like that. And his story's obviously been amazing. It's been well-documented and, um, I think Adam's probably sick of hearing it at this point because <laughs> he he wants to he wants to hear about how uh, how he deserves to be there and maybe should have been there earlier and it's not about the undrafted story for Mankato anymore but it's so remarkable that I get it it's very it's very rare I mean, I've been involved in the NFL for a while and you guys see it every day it's just a very it's a very 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 rare feat so it's. I understand why everyone talks about it. Blake Barrett's joining us. He is uh, the president of Institute for Athletes uh, and represents Adam Thielen. A quick story about Adam. I did an article about how he was a great basketball player and almost went to college to play basketball and, you know, interviewed his former high school coach and all those sorts of things. And I said Mm -hmm. to him, I was like, well, Alicia, you know, you made the right choice because, I mean, you wouldn't have made the NBA, right? And he said, well, you wouldn't have thought I would have made the NFL either. So it just, I, yeah. I think that that kind of speaks to his competitiveness. I, he's serious, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, he was serious. Me, he, he believes it. I think he was a little um, offended that I said it. Oh, for sure. He hates you now. <laughs> Blake, when we talk about that competitive edge and that fire, I mean, we saw a lot of that the latter portion of this season. And as we talk about players, when they come into their own, however many years in the league it's been, um, it almost felt like we were kind of witnessing that with Adam, where maybe it was public displays of it getting caught up in games and, you know, getting, you know, field mics picking things up you know the the incident between him and Bill Belichick and just seeing how how much he how seriously he takes this game what what about it was this what happened this season for him in 2018 did you see almost like a different spark with him and that competitive edge I know you said people think he might be quiet and he might be you know not that guy who's very vocal but certainly in games and particularly this year that wasn't the case yeah, I mean, I think what you saw come out this year was just maybe some levels of frustration that maybe he hadn't um, dealt with, that was certainly not dealt with the last couple of years. I mean, he had a phenomenal 
breakout year two years ago, and then he had another breakout year with Case Keenum. But most importantly, the team was winning, and the team was overachieving. And at the end of the day, that's what he cares about the most. So I think you, you know, I I think what you saw was a guy that hates to lose, and I think that came out because of the potential and the expectations, and maybe, you know, um, you know, the offense not producing to the level that they certainly expect, and. And ultimately, they put it on their shoulders that the Vikings aren't winning games. And that's, that's what bothers them. Adam, Adam couldn't care less so he catches three balls in the game or 12 balls in the game. If the team wins or the team is winning and is moving in the right direction, is ultimately what he cares about. So I think, I think the frustration kind of peaked and mounted at certain points of the season. Um, and I think he's more comfortable in his role than he's been in the past. You know, if the team was losing and he's on the practice squad, you can't you can't be yelling at Bill Belichick on the sideline. <laughs> if you're a little more comfortable in your role and you're getting fiery, you're a little more secure. So I think that's what you saw Mount. And it's probably a better question for him, but I'm just I'm analyzing it just from what I see and know the same way that you guys would. We did ask him a couple times about it. <laughs> just the one or just one or two. I think we were the only people to ask him. And and the other thing that Adam could not care less about is talking about his contract situation, which obviously I'm sure it's a question you get two or three times a day. Actually whether, this is great. Uh-huh. This is great, Blake, on, because every time we ask Adam about his contract situation, he, he says, says Talk to my agent. That's why I have an my agent. agent. <laughs> so now we've got him. So we are. <laughs> what does this off season look like as you try to, you know, potentially navigate um, you know, a new deal for Adam? I mean, it's been kind of the writing on the wall there for a little bit. He doesn't he says that that's not any of his focal area off season or, or during the season. But now as we are approaching the new league year, what does the next few months look like for for both you and your client? Yeah, in a, in a perfect world, uh, you know, we'd like to get something done. I don't think that's news to anyone. It's not going to be news to the Vikings or news to Adam or probably news to any of you. And uh, we're going to sit down here and have conversations in these coming weeks, and we'll see where that leaves us. You know, I, I, I think everyone knows that Adam deserves a new contract. There's, there, it's not as simple as just doing a, a high-level extension in a vacuum. Um, you know, there's other pieces. And the Vikings have done a phenomenal job of managing their salary cap. You know, Rob Brzezinski is one of the best at, in the game at what he does. And it's not just how do we reward Adam Thielen. It's how do we put our, our 53-man roster together that also allows for us to have continued success into the future. And I understand that. You know, I have a job to do, and Rob and Rick and the Vikings have a job to do. And, and we respect what each other does. It doesn't mean we always have to agree, uh, but we respect what each other has to do as, as our profession. And I... I have a lot of respect for those guys. They've built an unbelievable organization. They've built a really, really good locker room, which I don't think people realize that's not the case everywhere. And this team has, has a lot of really good things in place for it. And I know they want to take care of Adam, and I know they want Adam there, and I know they want to reward Adam. And what exactly that looks like and when that happens, I can't speak to yet, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that um, everyone will come around and do the right thing. There's not... No one's being greedy. No one's, um, everyone understands the situation. And it's really in their court. I mean, it's not, you know, he has a couple years left on his deal, um, but he's, he's, earned, he's earned a significant pay raise. Not to mention what he's done on the field. He, he might be one of the best people in the entire National Football League and represents the city and the organization and the state and, frankly, the entire region uh, unbelievably. So 
uh, if it was just me sitting in Rick's chair or, or Ziggy or Mark's chair or Rob Brzezinski's chair, it would be easy, easy to write the check to him, but I understand it doesn't happen in a vacuum. So we're all hopeful that it will get done. That's all that I can say. Talking with uh, Blake Barrett, the Institute for Athletes, and uh, represents Adam Thielen. Now, Blake, I had someone say to me last year, if it wasn't Adam being who he is, that he might have done what Antonio Brown is doing or something, or he might have done what Le'Veon Bell did last year and, and decided to, to sit out and wait for more money. Now, what what is your outlook, I guess, on players controlling their own destinies in football? We see it so much in basketball, and it makes for great entertainment for us, I got to tell you, when uh, somebody demands a trade or things like that. Um, but I, I wonder about your perspective on players who decide to sit out or who make noise on Twitter about contracts and things like that. Uh, is that what we're looking at here for the future a lot more of from NFL players? Well, I, 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 it's hard to answer that in a vacuum, too, because I think each situation uh, is, is its own situation. And I can't speak to the details of all those or specifics of all those other ones. You know, from afar, I know about Antonio Brown's situation as much as you guys do, and I would never, I would never condone or propose to a client that they behave like that. Like, they're not helping themselves. They're not helping themselves on the field. They're not helping themselves off the field. And his situation is not contract. It's not a contractual issue. Like he's already the highest paid receiver in football and the second highest paid receiver in football. Le'Veon Bell's situation is different. He was arguably the top running back at his position. Um, was had an unbelievable skill set. Did it for a, uh, multiple years at a time. Was getting three, four hundred touches a year. And they slapped the franchise tag on him. And they do it again. And. That's how the CBA is written. The Pittsburgh Steelers are entitled to that. Um, and I don't know if I would have advised my client sign out, sit out. And I don't know to what level the Steelers offered him an extension. Did they offer him fair market value and he turned it down and wanted more? Did they offer him a, what I would consider a bad contract and he turned it down hoping for more? And all of those things would help dictate what I would advise my client to do. I do believe there's a situation where you do hold out and you sit out because people forget if Le'Veon Bell was not a good football player in year one or two in the National Football League, they would have cut him. Mm-hmm. They would have cut him with two years left on his contract. So now he's the, arguably the best running back in football for multiple years in a row. And if he goes out on the open market, if he's a free agent like Kirk Cousins was, and he goes on the open market, he might get 40 or $50 million guaranteed with 15 or 16 or $17 million a year. But he's not able to. And people say, well, why don't you want the franchise tag? Well, because you're offering me $14 million fully guaranteed for one year when I could go on the open market and, and have 31 other teams bidding for my services, and maybe I get to 45 or $50 million guaranteed. So when you compare apples to apples, it's not fair. And then you can do it again, and then in the same breath, if I didn't play good football, you could cut me after a year or two. So it's... it's the rules are very heavily slanted towards the owners, and hopefully these things or some of them get fixed under this new under the CBA when it expires in 2020. Uh, but each situation is different. You know, I can't I can't speak to those. Adam's not that type of person. I would never condone a player to hold out or be disruptive if it wasn't for a very very valid reason. And a valid reason to me is both sides working in good faith to come to a conclusion that makes sense for everybody. If you're a team that's just going to shove things down a player's throat, then you might get that in return the opposite way. If we're trying to work in good faith and we just don't come to a, 
to an agreement, I mean, that's business. That's fine. We all respect what we each other do, and, and we move forward saying we tried. I think what happens in holdouts or when you have unreasonable expectations or you have different agendas, that's when these things really become ugly. So it's, it's a very case-by-case basis. That's a long-winded answer to your question. It's a good one, though. Well, when you take a look at the Antonio Brown situation that's, you know, all over our TVs and, and radio and Twitter right now from like the 30,000 foot level, it almost to me kind of looks like he's treating it like he's a free agent, even though he's still, you know, he's requested a trade. Sure. But the, the Steelers still hold a lot of the rights here and a lot of the power. Yet it almost looks like Antonio Brown doesn't see it that way and sees that regardless, he's going to be able to call the shots here, which I don't know is really the case. How, how do you see a situation like this where it was, it was certainly there were, there were words said, there were, there were Instagram videos made. Um, how does this work out or what could be the possible best case scenario and maybe one that's not so great, uh, just given the circumstances surrounding this? Yeah, I mean, to me, the, I, the whole situation just doesn't. The whole situation just doesn't really sit well with me. There's just a lot of, I don't know, a lack of maturity. You can also tell when things unravel like this. These, the end of the season stuff. This is not the first incident. He's been there for however many years. He's, there's a lot of things that the public doesn't know, and now it's just all coming to a head. And um, it's harder to control your destiny in the NFL. Uh, he's a very talented player, and that trumps a lot of things. But he is not in a a great position of power right now. Like he's he's very. It's going to be difficult to trade him because of his cap number. Um, everything that he's continuing to do in the media, from Instagram and Twitter and the and the interviews, is only has coaches and GMs and owners discussing it. Do we want to deal with this? So it's not helping. I would be embarrassed if this is how we were approaching a new situation. Uh, when, we, when a player wants out of a situation, again, in my opinion, you go about it the appropriate ways. You have a conversation behind closed doors and say, here are the issues. This is what my client's happy with or unhappy with. Let's try to figure out a scenario that's a win-win-win for everybody. And let's make everyone win. If, not everyone, if, if everybody doesn't win, uh, then it's very difficult to get a deal done. Forget about the fact that it's a huge cap liability to a team, and he's a tremendous player. So to get a deal done where uh, compensation and return can be fair and, and everyone's happy with it, as well as the cap it that the, the Steelers are about to absorb, as well as the new team is about to absorb, as well as just the schematic fit, as well as the locker room fit, and these are not, this is not easy. It's not, it's not easy to figure that out. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a difficult situation. That's for sure. And I don't think it does. It doesn't seem like it's getting cleaner by the day. It seems like it's getting a little messier. It, it does. Uh, he does need to log off. I agree with you there. Delete uh, your account. Talking with uh, Blake Barrett's uh, Institute for Athletes also represents Adam Thielen. Last thing for you, Blake. Combine's coming up. Uh, Courtney and I will be there. What is an agent's approach to the combine? Is that a thing that varies from player to player, what their needs are, how you get them in front of as many teams as possible and, and uh, get, get as much interest drummed up for them? I mean, how, how do you go about that? You know what? At, what's kind of crazy, and most people don't realize this, that the combine doesn't end up being about the rookies. Uh, the guys that are going to participate in the combine, they're going to go to the combine 
And they're either prepared at that point or they're not prepared. And there's not a lot we can do as agents. Most of these teams are focused on free agency because free agency starts March 14th. The draft isn't until the end of April. So most of these teams right now, while they're having some draft meetings, they're really focused on their own team to figure out which free agents they're going to let walk. Some guys, like an Everson Griffin, has a roster bonus coming up March 17th that they got to make a decision on him. And then you also want to start to put a value on the guys that are going to be free agents, restricted free agents, exclusive free agents. So um, what I would say is a lot of the combine is, is surrounding the existing veteran players on the team and trying to understand what the market's going to look like uh, for, the, for the pending free agents. And I'm not going to sit on here on, on uh, radio and tell you there's tampering going on, but there's, there's definitely conversations going on. <laughs> so um, that's what a lot of the combine is. What, so so what our Blake- rookies are going to... We've already either prepared them by the time they get on the plane next week, or we haven't. And I think we do an exceptional job preparing our guys. So now it's you're prepared, you know, stay loose, be confident, and go do what you do. And if there's injury concerns, or he tweaked a hamstring, and we're, we decide we're not going to run the forty in Indy, or here, you know, with one of our rookies today, we're doing a bunch of combine interview prep. You know, if, if those are things that are, those decisions are made prior to him getting on a plane and going to Indianapolis. So when someone drops in the draft and uh, the TV guys say he should fire his agent, you don't agree with that? <laughs> I will never, well, I, again, each situation is different, but I will never take credit for a guy getting drafted higher than he should, and I'll never take the blame for a guy getting drafted lower than he should because I understand this is a very inexact science. There are plenty of players that I think and know are phenomenal football players, and I am not the decision-maker on these teams. And frankly, I think the scouting process of a lot of these organizations is extremely antiquated. Like, it just is. And I put a ton of value in effort and coachability and competitiveness and a whole lot of other things, and I don't really care if you run a 4-5-4 you run a 4-4-8 in underwear with no pads on in a straight line. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. But I'm not the GM. So I understand why these teams are missing on half their picks. They're not prepared as well as they should be for the process. That's just the reality. Every GM would probably argue with me, and every GM has never made a mistake on a draft pick, and that's fine. I understand that's, you know, they have a job to do as well, but, and maybe the scouts or the lower-level scouts that are really familiar with these guys, a lot of them in, in certain organizations don't even have a say-so once the, the game of telephone gets all the way to the top anyway. So... It's hard. I mean, a GM's job is really, 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 really hard. You're dealing with the media. You're dealing with the owners. You're dealing with the finances. You're dealing with the business. You're dealing with the personnel department. You're dealing with the scouting department. You're hiring coaches. You're putting in schemes. You're dealing with all sorts of stuff that how can you be in tune with 2,000 collegiate players and know in a matter of three months exactly what you're supposed to do in each situation? It's a very, very difficult job, and, and – Part of doing, doing a great job as a GM is, is not micromanaging everyone, but letting everyone go do their job and hiring the right people and trusting them to do a great job. It's a very difficult job. It's not, a, it's not easy. I'm not saying I could do it any better. It's just the reality of the situation. Well, my Madden team is great, so I don't see the difference. Uh, Blake, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, great, great to have you. Uh, phenomenal insight uh, into the process, uh, in the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on at the Combine, and uh, insight on Adam Thielen as well. Great to have you. I hope we can uh, do it again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, and we'll connect out in Indy. Yeah, awesome. All right, Sounds thanks, great. Blake. Blake Barrett's here. Thanks. thanks, Blake. He is the uh, president of Institute for Athletes, represents Adam Thielen. And, uh, wow, 
just like really, really in-depth stuff there from Blake Barrett's and all the things general managers are considering with the draft and what it's like for agents. Very cool. And uh, we will circle back on his comments about Adam Thielen and an extension. Also talk about Anthony Barr. Manny has his eight or nine things list for today as well. So we will talk about all that when we come back here on Purple Daily. Score North. This is the one they're talking about. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. I think what you saw was a guy that hates to lose. And I think that came out because of the potential and the expectations and maybe, you know, um, you know, the offense not producing to the level that they certainly expect. And and ultimately, they put it on their shoulders that the Vikings aren't winning games. And that's that's what bothers them. Adam, Adam couldn't care less so he catches three balls in the game or 12 balls in the game. If the team wins or the team is winning and is moving in the right direction is ultimately what he cares about. So I think I think the frustration kind of peaked and mounted at certain points of the season. Um, and I think he's more comfortable in his role than he's been in the past. All right, that was Blake Barrett, who represents Adam Thielen and is the president of Institute for Athletes. He joined us here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin, back here on Score North on 1500. Great job by Manny running back and grabbing that because we wanted to play you know, one of the, the best parts of it, of him talking about a potential contract extension for Adam Thielen. And it's something that's been on my mind since last training camp, that Thielen, well, uh, he is not the type to hold out mm-hmm. or to make big noise about his contract. He has not yet done a Periscope Live to complain that he's not making enough money. When you compare his production to the top receivers in the NFL and then versus how much they get paid, he's not anywhere close to getting paid what he's worth. And it makes sense for them to sign him to a contract extension this offseason. I think what you know really sparked this too last offseason when Diggs signs his deal, it's like, OK, yep. we're already planning for next training camp. We're planning that this is going to be the same situation, if not before then, with Adam Thielen. But I've been told by multiple people I've talked to close to the situation, this is not a guy that's going to hold out. This is not a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wants to Same be here. here. He wants to be in Minnesota. I mean, there was a lot of flack about the last deal that he signed, the 19.4, and that he, you know, shortchanged himself. And that, you know, there is a reason for that. More of just a kind of a personal and moral obligation on Adam's part to not turn down on that type of money after being a guy who nearly never had this shot. But Mm -hmm. now he's outplayed his deal. That's where we're at. He has outplayed his current deal. As Blake said uh, to us, I'm going to pull up my tweet on it, that, you know, we're all hopeful that it'll get done. He's earned a significant pay raise. The Vikings know that. Blake Barrett knows it. Adam Thielen, as much as he doesn't want to say anything publicly, he knows it too. So I think it's almost, it would be... Criminal's not the right word here, but it would almost be just an abonish, you know, abon- uh, abomination. Abomination. Yeah, that's what okay. I'm looking for. If he doesn't sign something this off season, I mean, there's no way he can continue on this play- on playing on this type of pay. I think uh, he's doing okay in terms of being able to afford groceries and such. Yes. But and he's got he, endorsement deals too. Yes, like he's and he's right. got a gym. I mean, he's fine. But but when you have a hundred catches and you're a Pro Bowler and you've proven it over multiple years and everyone is making more, then you deserve to be in that same range too. Especially with Diggs's contract. Well, uh, it helps the market. Like it, it really would throw a big wrench in the receiver market if he doesn't. If for some reason a deal didn't get worked out. Um, and yeah, I know people are going to be like, oh, well, he just signed this deal. Well, okay. 
He's outplayed the current deal. That is the bottom line. That's where we are on February 19th, 2019. It's time for a new deal. You know what I go back to is the Vikings put, I think, a second round tender on him in 2017 offseason after he had had a great 2016 breakout season. Mm -hmm. And you uh, joined the beat the next year, but in that year... Every, I mean, people I, didn't, did people not expect that that 2016 production was going to be able to be replicated? I, I that think was that what was I, a concern. I don't understand that. And we watched every game and, of course, watched the tape back, and he was open all the time. I mean, it, he was open even more than he got the football. And we've seen that come to fruition as we've gone along here, that he's, his numbers have even gone up. But he caught everything, and he was running great routes. And I remember writing that offseason that other teams should be – trying to offer him an RFA deal and give up the second-round pick. I mean, imagine if the Packers had done that at that time. If the Packers had offered Adam Thielen $35 million over the same amount of time and paid out a second-round pick, teams should do this more often. When there are opportunities to take RFA guys, that's what the Patriots did with Chris Hogan, and he's a 30-40 catch wide receiver for them, but a significant player, and they got him because another team couldn't afford him. And uh, the Vikings have had a steal on their salary cap and really were able to sign Kirk Cousins in part because they weren't paying Adam Thielen that much yet, but they're going to have to find a way. And this is where it does become much more complicated if they want to add other people. It would depend on how that was set up, how an extension was set Mm -hmm. up. So maybe he gets a signing bonus now and then the money is spread out later. But I think we're all clear that Adam Thielen will be making more money soon. Yes, and there's ways to do it. As I mean, as as Blake brought up with Rob Brzezinski and kind of that cap guru, um, that just that's what he's known for. You just keep moving the money down the line, as you mentioned. Give him a massive signing bonus right now. Spread it out so it doesn't affect his cap number. You can lower his cap number over the next few years, especially in 2019. Um, honestly, kind of a similar situation. If we're talking about just just that in a bubble, that's what you do with Kyle Rudolph. If you're asking to restructure, give him a nice signing bonus right now. Go give him one more year, one or two more years. Do it that way. When we come back, an NBA legend (laughs) is unhappy with the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to talk about that next. (laughs) Plus, Manny has his eight or nine things here on Purple Daily on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 